that's the practice that it's tuning in and yeah. finding that the focus. And I always say what we focus on, we find what we focus on grows and what we focus on, we become. So I want to welcome everybody back to another episode of Soul Inspired. Today, I'm really happy to have Carla White with me. She is a resilience expert, and she actually deals with women and helping them find their joy. So I'm going to dig in deep with that. We're going to talk a little bit about what that means. But first of all, thanks, Carla, for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Joe. It's such a pleasure to be here. Uh, I, I when I when I first started up the uh, the podcast, I was hearing from different people. And I was kind of gauging the direction I wanted to go with the podcast at the time. And I remember getting your message and your energy and I could feel your energy. I'm, I'm a big energy person. I can feel energy just even through, I really do believe it, even through the words that we use and we text people. I think everybody uh, doesn't really realize how much that can go a long way in business. I'm sure you can probably agree with that. And so I really appreciated your message. So I'm just happy to have you here. One of the first questions I always ask everyone, I always go in this direction first, and it's because we're all living this life. We've all lived a life. We've lived a life before the things that we do now, and we're living the life, the life with the things that we do now. So if you can think back as far back as you want to a moment or an event in your life, anything that gave you the insight or direction to lead in the direction you're you're doing now and the work that you're doing with people? What would that be? And I wondered if you could explain a little bit of that. Ooh, that's a good question. Because I think there's a there's a few depending on kind of the the time of life. And you know, I could go go way back to, you know, when I was six years old, I remember having this experience of being stung by a bee and and taking care of my wound and kind of there was nobody around and I grew up on the farm and having this idea then that oh I need to heal this I need to fix this problem and so that kind of probably started the inkling of going into nursing and then uh, when I was 13 years old my brother was killed in an accident and that probably was the biggest trajectory of who I am and how I come to help people, you know, rediscover their joy is by going through that tragedy and some of the decisions I made as a teenager and the direction that I took from then on, it sort of influenced so much of my life. Sorry to hear you lost your brother. I, I do find when people do have trauma that hits them so dramatically and so quickly, just through the people I've talked to, it seems to be this effect that just kind of just ignites something in us. I, I mean, it can go in different directions, right? I mean, you can go down a, a darker path at first. Sometimes people need that in order to learn a little bit about themselves. But, uh, you know, there's other times where it ignites us, right? So, mm -hmm. so you're saying that the loss of your brother at a young age uh, ignited you to to live more? or to have direction or purpose? Or what do you mean by that? I wonder if you can I think expand. it for me, it really became this desire to help other people. And uh, watching my parents go through that, I made decisions about um, wanting to be perfect so that they never had to go through 
any pain again. So, I mean, really very unrealistic sort of expectations, but it, it shapes the, and I say that we all have drama, trauma, and catastrophes, what I call life catastrophes that we go through. And so what, how it really shaped me was seeing how I moved through that and understanding that then sort of helped me to see that my purpose, I guess, is to really help other people and, and help myself first and help other people through kind of those big drama, trauma, catastrophes in life. And that got you into nursing at that time. Is that what it was your first? Yeah, I decided, decided, um, pretty much at that age, I, I had a psychosomatic illness, um, following that where I was in hospital with pain, they couldn't decide what it was. And so they, um, they told me that it was all in my head. I just needed to ignore it and pretend it wasn't happening. Mm. And, uh, that was how they dealt with grief and, and emotions back, you know, that was probably in the, it would have been in the eighties maybe. Um, and from there I was kind of this my whole life adventure became about um not only healing myself but heal, helping other people heal yeah and it's it's interesting you mentioned you know that was in the 80s or whatnot that you were how they dealt with people they, they still do that unfortunately uh, even to this day unfortunately I mean I can remember even when I was in my late teens going into my early 20s dealing with major anxiety um just around life and I remember I went to my doctor who wasn't, he was an older doctor. So he had been around for a while. And I remember I sat down and I said, doc, you know, I'm, I can't like ever, the world is spinning. I don't know what's going on. And they kept saying, no, this is in your head. It's in your head. And next thing I remember him saying to me, and it was one of those strangest things. It was, you know, I don't know what's wrong with you. You're a good looking guy. And you could just, you could just find a girl and get a girlfriend, like just kind of just get going. Like what, it was just this weird explanation like okay so so i'm a decent looking guy so i don't have to have anxiety i don't have to have <laughs> yeah you've got so much going for you joe right. like what is the problem right. yeah. it was one of the weirdest and most bizarre situations because then i remember leaving that doctor's office thing i that's not gonna this isn't i don't even have my doctor's side he's not even on my side he doesn't understand and it took a lot of years of me finding different going to emergencies and talking to nurses and then going to talking to some, you know, some psych, like talking to counselors and things that made me kind of come to terms with things. But um, it, that goes on all the time and it still does, unfortunately. So um, it's great that you went down the helping field into the nursing and were you immediately drawn into helping? Cause again, from what I'm looking at, you help women, you empower women, you talk to women. I, I'm, I'm assuming maybe women who are either career focused or just life focused or, can we dig in a little bit more to that? And when did that start happening in your life? Yeah, that was after, that was well after I had pivoted out of the, because when I went into nursing, I was all about um, more health promotion than I was kind of about helping people in that way. I wanted to prevent people from, from needing the healthcare system. And um, what I recognized pretty early on was that um, the, the medical system is a sickness model, not a wellness model. And I was really searching for that wellness and uh, sort of the, the health as opposed to 
getting out of the sickness. And so that was, that was kind of the, the first leg of the journey. And then I left nursing and actually, well, I burned out from nursing and then, mm. then I went into firefighting and because, wow. Yeah. So I became a firefighter and, uh, it all seemed to be around this whole idea of helping people navigate crisis and chaos. Mm. And, uh, and I recognized eventually that that was what was going on inside of me was that crisis and chaos and that I was like this high performer and high, you know, it was all about um, high achievement and, and was very, always very interested in the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the self-improvement. I was the queen of, you know, self-improvement because I had this idea that there was something definitely wrong with me or that I needed to be better. And, and I think that that's the message that we get often from doctors and from people is that if you've got this going on inside of you, that there's something wrong with you. And it's not, it's just that we're, we're learning and trying to rediscover or discover who we are. And as we go through this, we, we have the, we have emotions, we have thoughts, we have coping skills that we've learned. And uh, it really took me a long time to kind of get to that place. And so after I uh, was done firefighting, then I became a stay at home mom for 10 years. And uh, that was when I was first diagnosed with um, depression and anxiety was at that time. And it wasn't yeah. until after I started working with um, Jack Canfield and I became a success principles trainer and then was on his assisting team that I started to delve into that inner dialogue, the inner critic, which I always called my angry housewife. That was my my show was <laughs> Confessions of an Angry Housewife. And uh, that was really sort of the pivotal point of when I started to work uh, with women when I started my business to work uh, with women. It was more sort of my own personal development journey. And I really, I really wanna change it from personal development to personal discovery. Mm, I like that. Because it's so with personal development and human potential and all of that, it, it gives us this message that somehow we're not good enough as we are, that we need, we always need to be, you know, this constant state of improvement. And I think we kind of get into this, it's almost like an addiction of, you know, when am I going to get better? And it was like setting these goals and doing all of this and going after that. And it just got exhausting. And it was I had to kind of come to this full stop almost of, um, well, I call it the, the pause, the pause of who am I, what am I here to do? And, uh, really it, it was like a healing journey. I am loving this. going to be honest with you. As I've said before, I don't, I don't go too deep in to learn about everybody before I talk to them. And I, I find it so exciting to learn the life of another person. I just find it. I'm hearing you saying all of these things that you've done. I'm going to recap a little bit of what's going on. I have a few questions for you. I really like this. So, <laughs> so you started pretty young, a young career in nursing, had a brief career in nursing, and then you went, so you did that. Then you went into firefighting 
briefly because then you did 10 years of staying at home yeah. um uh, raising children and and starting family life so you got three careers one thing i wanted to mention cuz that's a that's a career i mean being at home yeah. uh i mean that's uh, you know i remember before uh, i have kids of my own i remember before i had kids i remember one time i i was trying to discover myself what i wanted to do in life and i looked up this site and it said one of the hardest jobs was parenting and i thought why would they put parenting there? I was so I was so arrogant about it. I thought, come on, you, what's the big deal? And then I became a parent, and I went, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I get See, it now. <laughs> I get it. I get it. So it's like a full time job forever. It never is, you know. It's like, so, so I totally well, for a short period of time, I had three children under the age of three, and oh, wow. four to count my husband because sometimes I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that, that's a busy lifestyle then, and it is busy, and it's a lot of work. So I completely can uh, hold compassion there for that. Um, but what I find interesting is you said a few things there. You didn't exactly allude to this, but I think you were meant you were kind of pushing this way. Is that you know I look back at all the careers or jobs that I've had, and and whatever's to come, and I even if there's a time where I'm in something that I'm not enjoying, you know I'm in this place of, Oh, what am I doing in this? What, this is terrible. As you progress through your life, there'll be things that will come up and you go, Oh, okay. Good thing. I did that thing that I absolutely hated because it's helping me in this area. Um, and, but when people are in the storm, they don't see it. They're, they're in the storm. The storm is going around them and they're how do I get out of the storm? And it's a constant battle to get out of the storm. And then when they're out of the storm, they realize some of that storm was serving them in whatever way. Not They may not see that, but I at least find that. And I hear other people's lives and the situations that come up. And I, and I right away think to myself, well, good thing you did that other thing because it prepared you for that. So yeah. I just wanted to mention it. And you kind of, you were kind of talking about that, but so you're in, you're in this, and you can touch on that if you like in a moment, but I just want to mention you're in this place of dealing with stress and anxiety as a stay-at-home mom. And then you started working with, you said Jack Hanfield, right? I didn't know that. That's really, that's great. So at that time when you did that, was that just self-discovery through working with him or what kind of got you on a path that you were ready to really take this commitment and helping, helping other women and helping other people? um, go through this stuff. It was interesting because I had seen Jack probably mm, 10 years before. Well, no, maybe, yeah, I would say 10 years before I, uh, took the training and, and went to work with him and I saw him, he was probably doing a chicken soup for the soul book tour. Um, and we were at a conference for my husband who was in recreation and leisure studies. So it was like this recreation con conference. And we went there, this beautiful location. And I looked around and I thought, this is what I want to be doing. I don't want to be nursing. I want to be living. And in this environment, these people seem to have it right. Like it's about leisure and, and living life full out. And then I heard Jack speak and, and I remember saying to my husband after, that's what I want to do when I grow up. I mean, I was in my twenties, uh, maybe even close to thirties and, uh, is be a motivational speaker because I had been a, uh, 4-H public speaker, competitive speaker from the age I was 
of 10. So I was used to being on the stage. I loved being on the stage, but I really found that being that stay at home mom, I kind of lost who I was and that kind of the professional side of me. And, uh, and I said to my husband, that's what I want to do when I grow up is be this motivational speaker. And he said, well, you, ha you can't do that because you've been, you know, like you have to have done something really great to be a motivational speaker, or you have to have written a book or you have to have like climbed a mountain or, right. you know, all of those things won a gold medal at the, at the Olympics. And so I, at the time thought, oh yeah, right. I haven't done anything great, which completely fed into my whole self-esteem issue that I had going on. And, and uh, that definitely didn't help the the cause but I think that that's some of what was going on in those 10 years was that I stepped away from who I am and and kind of lost myself in that role as parent and and put everybody ahead of my myself and it was when I saw Jack speak that it kind of sparked something in me that that's the direction that I wanted to go but I didn't follow up on that until 10 years later when I had gone back to work, worked for a year. I was really unhappy. I saw Jack on this um, webinar and he was talking about success, uh, success principles and that you needed to write a book and you need to do all these things. And so I applied, I applied for the like, yes, sign me up. This is what I want. And my, my husband said, well, I'm not paying for you to get more education. Like you, you, you've got it. You've got you know, a degree, you've got training, right. you, you don't need any more training. And uh, I just trusted that I needed to do this and I'd figure out a way. And I got a surprise check in the mail for the total amount of the training oh from an inheritance that my mother received that she didn't tell us about and she shared with her children. So that just, it's like the hmm. universe was just telling me, okay, this is the path, this is the path to go. And, uh, worked with Jack and that full year of training I thought was yeah like business training learning how to be a success principles trainer and and speaker and uh it really was a very it was a soul journey of personal growth and really really tapping inside to to work on my own development before I was able to to development and healing and uh before I was able to help others so your storyline is much like the, the you look at the secret the mm. he was he was of course was in the secret yeah and there's that concept of bringing abundance in and and the universe kind of aligns itself for you you get this check in the mail and it it kind of allows you to go in the direction that you were feeling so if i'm speaking from the audience or the people that are listening and they're in a situation where they feel stuck. They feel that there's something waiting for them that's that's better for them, that makes them feel more alive. They're not stuck in whatever they're doing. But they, they know it's there, but they don't know how to get there. They don't know how to get to the next that next step. What would you tell someone like that? Like where – what was going on in either your mind at the time? Like, how did you, is it, you know, I, I asked this because I, I mean, I, I'm a victim of it as well. 
And I've had times in my life where somehow I bring things into my life. I'm I'm a musician, so I've had some great things happen. And I always look back after and go, oh, wow, I remember I knew that was going to happen and it happened. I'm like, how do I keep doing that? <laughs> how do I, you know, so, <laughs> so it's the concept of, I know what I want, or I mean, I mean, someone may either feel like something better is to come, but they don't know what that better is. They don't know. They, they haven't, they haven't figured it out and they want to figure that out. So there's those people. And then there's the people who figured it out, but they just are like, oh, but this, 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 and this is holding me back. Both people exist. And I've been in both situations and I'm wondering what you would say to those people. Like what really gets people unstuck? I guess would be the main question. Moving, moving, moving in a, so taking, I think it's important to take that pause. Like what happens is we, and I, this is what happened for me was I was so busy chasing and, and sort of trying to go after it and trying to make things happen that what I have found is that when I worked on not just my mindset, but it actually is like embodiment of that energy and sort of just took a breath and paused, mm -hmm. then that helped to then get clarity and move forward into, um, into some action. What happens is that we get caught up in fear. And even though I've had all of these successes and I've done all of this, this work, I also sort of spiral back into that place of coming from fear rather than love. And this just popped in. That's why I love your show, Soul Inspired, because I, I consider the soul and working to, rather than the protective personality, which is our head, um, our soul is our sanctuary of unconditional love. And so if we can tap in to love that high vibration that energy of love and move towards that rather than stay stuck in in the fear mm -hmm. and that's where we can start to see movement and momentum and and we we cannot when we're in that basically a dysregulated nervous system when we're in the place of fear and doubts and worry we're not able to move forward because we're our body just doesn't work that way and i actually started to figure this out when i found this proverb that the body heals with play the mind heals with laughter and the spirit heals with joy mm. and that's how i started to anytime that i started needed to do a shift and i i call the the shift um stop having intense fear today to start having immense fun today. When I started to step into that, looking for the joy and find, you know, finding the fun and started having fun, it elevated my energy. And that start, that's when things started to happen. Not when mm -hmm. I was stuck back in the the fear and anxiety and in my head and all the doubts. And I, I mean, I am a, a chronic overthinker, you know, where, where we stay stuck in our, our heads, our thoughts, and we right. our 
our brain will tell us and make up stories all the time. It'll tell us stories about who we are and what we're capable of and all of this based on our, our, pri pri our private, our previous experiences. So sometimes it is really just tapping into that soul and understanding that we are loved and worthy and that when we start to, to recognize that and surround ourselves with that energy, and that's where community comes in, finding people to surround yourself with. And that was part of, of the Canfield training was I recognized that I was in the room surrounded by, I called it the bubble of love. Like it was surrounded by people who were all there to support one another. And it was about positive. Yes, it's about positive psychology and getting to that place of, but it's not about getting to the, I, I say I have a PVO about, uh, no, I have a POV about PVO. And it's the, the positive, my point of view about positive vibes only, this is kind of the message that we get from the self-help industry is, well, you know, you just need to change your attitude and it's deeper than that. It is because right. what we need to do is we need to feel our feelings. <laughs> and that was the, um, the biggest thing for me that going through that year was I recognized that I had, well, I, I chose to eat. Um, I said, I, I feed my feelings. <laughs> so I ended up um, being about 120 pounds over my ideal weight. So I have since released that. But it is this idea that we, we don't want to face our feelings because we feel like my gosh, I've had people say to me, if I start crying, I won't stop. Right. They're, yeah. they're afraid, we're afraid to <clears throat> feel those feelings. And until we mm -hmm. actually just go there, sit with the sadness. And, and this is where grief counseling and um, there's professionals to help with this. But it is really about recognizing what those feelings are and they're valid and that we can then move through them. We don't talk enough about, you said earlier, I'm kind of going back to one of the things that you said earlier about the, um, you know, we go through things. We don't talk often enough about post-traumatic growth. Oh, I like that. We, we very much focus on the post-traumatic stress disorder. And so I, I live in a community that um, was a part of Canada's largest, most expensive natural disaster where uh, a wildfire came through and 88,000 people were evacuated in one day. And then we were out of our homes for, um, the shortest was we were out for 29 days out of the city and many other people who lost their homes were out for longer than that. And going through that as a community and, and uh, a family, that's not the worst tragedy that I've ever experienced, but it, it was a tragedy. And people afterwards are still, I mean, still reeling from that seven, six, seven years from later. And the focus, yes, is very much on that 
trauma. But once we've gone through that, what it does is it helps us to show really tap in and show who we are and what we're capable of. It's like mm -hmm. when we go through these, it's like, wow, I, there was things that happened that I recognized like, wow, that, that's a strength that I got from these other experiences. And so it's really kind of that is focusing on your strengths and what is fantastic about you that is that place where we need to to shift and that's not always easy to do on your own yeah i love all that and you know it's fun it's not funny but it's you know unfortunately sometimes through disaster it's what, what we see after the disaster is some of the most beautiful work of humans possible you know i've i've seen that with hurricanes and you see those all the time all of a sudden everybody comes together but when your day-to-day is going, that same person is actually honking at the person in front of them. And in traffic, we seem to come together better after disaster. We can get to a point where we're doing that without disaster needed. That'd be great. That'd yeah, be great, so. I, I agree. Like the, the humanity is what we saw. That was, I, I wrote a story that got accepted into the Chicken Soup for the Soul book, um, The Spirit of Canada, based on the aftermath of the fire, because what I chose to see, I mean, I'd done a ton of this, this work and, and trauma work. And, and so I, I was, you know, I mean, the firefighting and nursing and all of those things helped me to be in a place that made it um, easier for myself to get through it. And also my family and my community, but I made a decision really early on that how, how are we going to move through this as we drove away from our home, thinking that it, our house was gone and having the conversation with the kids, it was like, okay, what can we focus on? And so I made a decision at that time that what I was gonna focus on was finding, finding good, finding hope, finding love, all of those things. And, and that's all I saw from the moments of, these guys, you know, we, we were in this evacuation center and these two guys, three guys were ahead of us and they got to the front of the line and they realized that there wasn't much food left and they stepped aside and said, no, no, there's kids here and let my kids eat, um, mm -hmm. to just like the, the stories go on and on and on of the human compassion and, and outpouring of love. And that's how I choose to see the world now. And mm -hmm. I think that there's, a, I agree. Like, wouldn't it be great if we could have that world that didn't require some form of tragedy or yeah. <laughs> something that that put us in touch with our own humanity and where we could reach out and um, just share support for one another. That That all being said, hearing what you're saying though, one of the great things that you did in that moment, um, to give you a little credit with this, is that you decided to focus on the positive. You shifted your focus on the good. So, you know, maybe one of the first things that we can do is we can do that in our day to day is to shift the focus on the good. There's always going to be things that will come up, but don't focus on it. Try Try your best to give less attention to that and more attention to the good. And I think that 
that alone could change it, mm -hmm. uh, could change your, you know, your life. And the other thing I found really interesting that you said was, I mean, knowing that you work primarily with women, um, that to, that it's okay for us to have feelings and to express mm -hmm. our feelings. I grew up mainly raised by women. Uh, and so I became somewhat of an emotional guy, uh, more so than most of my buddies growing up. And I've always been that way. Um, maybe the music brings it out of me. I'm more soulful. So I get more emotional easily, but as a man, I do know that I do hold back a lot too. And the older I've gotten, I've noticed I do it more. So I, I always have to continue to work on that because I don't know where that comes from, but I guess I was surprised to hear that, that, you know, you're, you're, you deal with that, which means you see that in women. And then I think to myself, you know, and I'm thinking out loud right now, but I think to myself, you know, the world really has shifted a lot. You know, more women are running large corporations and companies. There's more stresses uh, on women to do what men used to do in our past. It's just historically true um, mm -hmm. that more women are now uh, in power positions, right? And so I wonder sometimes if the stress of your life, if the stresses of those things can cause that. I guess I'm leading into a question here and I'm sure you deal with a lot of people who want even more success in their life. And I look at, I look at even my career field of music and I look at the entertainment industry and I see people who get to the very top and traumatic things can happen. Some of them take their own lives. Some of them, um, they can't deal with it. And yet from what the average person would think they have everything. They've got what they love to do. They've got all the money in the world. And somehow they still aren't happy. And I guess, you know, how do we find, what would you, what advice would you give to someone or, or, or what do you do if you're working with someone who does find themselves in a position of success, but there's still lack of happiness? What is the main, what do you normally see? I'm wondering if you could tap into that a bit. What I saw in myself was achieving all of these milestones and becoming an author and, and all of my successes um, and getting to that place and inside feeling like I still wasn't good enough. I still wasn't, uh, you know, where I needed to be. I had this, all of these doubts. And again, that comes back to sort of living in my head and, and not uh, tapping into my soul and really coming from this place of, yes, you're hundred percent right. That shifting the focus and starting, it's starting with, with gratitude and uh, you know, gratitude is a, <laughs> there was times in my life when I was like gratitude. Uh, no, thank you. I'm, you know, like, I'm miserable, but it's finding <laughs> little, little pieces and really sort of getting very present with the here and now and recognizing that, you know, where I'm at right now, is this where I want to be? And lots of stress actually comes from, or anxiety comes from this place of um, recognizing that where you are and 
where you thought you would be or where you thought think you should be or where you you know where society says or you're sort of it's all external kind of validation and that's what I recognized was that a lot of the the things that I had achieved in life was all sort of chased after by me trying to prove that I'm worthy or prove that I'm smart enough or prove that I know that somewhere in there I've had some experience and I don't remember when, but at some point I didn't feel smart enough. Mm. And so I know for me that one of my, I don't call them triggers, but one of my prompts is that when I go to that place of not feeling like I know everything, um, I, I'll take a course or I, you know, it was like, I would take a course or I'd try or I'd hire a coach. And I recognized I was giving away my power because I wasn't tapping into, I do know, I do know. And I, but I didn't trust myself. I'd learned to not trust myself. And so that's that piece. It's like tuning in instead of looking for the external validate. And that's really the, that place of, yeah, these people that have this external, they look like they have it all, mm -hmm. but inside is what really matters. And it's right. tuning into that. And so um, meditation is a, a huge, I learned that from, I actually, that's what I wrote my book on was um, my experience of doing a 10 day silent meditation retreat, which I had learned from Jack about, um, you know, I mean, meditation was really, is really one of the the tools that are used to help with this whole success and really just living is, is tuning in to our own wisdom. And uh, so I took the, the 10 day silent meditation retreat and it's, uh, it's a little funny because I'm a high achieving uptight. Like I spent most of the time in this 10 day silent meditation retreat thinking how I'm not getting this. Like, is anybody else getting this? But I couldn't <laughs> ask anybody. Right. So it was just, yeah. it was kind of this comedy of errors of going through this um, experience, but it really, that's the practice that it's tuning in and yeah. finding that the focus. And I always say what we focus on, we find what we focus on grows and what we focus on, we become. So it's oh. this idea of focusing but focusing in inside tuning in to what's going on in the inside is going to help the other uh thought that just came in when you were talking about your feelings and music i have a sign up on my wall in my in my music room uh that says music is what feelings sound like oh yes i've heard that i love that one yeah, yeah. yeah. So it just it just made me when you said that, but it is really yeah. this whole idea of avoiding our feelings and what's going on in the in the inside. And so we'll you know we look exterior exteriorly for the answers, and the answers are inside inside inside. We just need to to tap into those and okay. understand that some of the the ways that we are operating, going through life are ways that we've learned how to cope by going through. I mean, there, we didn't have parents probably that um, were, you know, understood. I, 
feelings. I remember after my brother died, my parents, I never saw them break down and cry. And so I got, I got this message and somebody said the other day, she goes, we're British. We don't feel. <laughs> uh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, I came from that background of, you know, the, you know, strong. I remember sitting at the funeral being really annoyed by the person behind me that was sobbing so loud. You know, it was just kind of this really? idea that somewhere I got the idea that in order to be strong, you couldn't show your feelings because feelings were weak. Mm. and that was I wrote a whole uh, bit about redefining strong after the fire I wrote about redefining strong that the strongest thing we can do is feel and show our emotion because that's what makes us human right wow everything there spoke to me I, I definitely you know a lot of the times when you're talking about your you know what the way you were feeling when you were learning about meditation on the same way I'm uh, you know, I get I, as an entrepreneur myself running my own business teaching and all this stuff. I'm always wanting to just get better and better and better at what I do. And it's kind of like, I'm always in my head. Um, one thing I'm learning from talking to people and I, and I know this deep down because of being a musician is this idea of meditation. I I'm seeing a massive pattern with successful people, with people who seem to be in tune with themselves, that meditation is this practice that becomes like eating. It's a, it's not just something you do a few times and you go, okay, I, I meditated. That's great. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, I'm waiting for things to yeah, happen. Right. I'm manifesting. <laughs> right. Right. No. And I think, and I, you know, and then I kind of listen to my intuition, even when I'm talking, as I was just was right now, and I heard fear. And there's a fear of meditation, I think. And I think the fear around it is, is that if I get really deep, if I get really quiet, am I going to be okay with what I hear? You know, am I, am I fearing my own internal thoughts or my own internal feelings? Maybe you're in a, maybe you're you took over your family business and you don't want to do that. And when you meditate and you get still with yourself, it'll say, that's not for me. And you don't want to hear that. Or maybe like, there's all kinds of things. There's just tons of things that can come up. I think in meditation. And I think, you know, I'm probably speaking for myself. Um, I have always said music is my meditation. I think it's a bit of a, a cop out because <laughs> I get into the place of creativity in music because I can, I'm, I'm, I'm taking from that same place that when I'm writing and I'm saying words and I don't know where it's coming from, I go, okay, that, great. I'm meditating, but that's, it's a little bit different than that. I, I feel like, and I've been trying and I think people listening should try to really get still and calm. And I like the way you said it in the beginning of this talk. Um, you said you, I don't know what it was. You said, you didn't say meditate, you meditated, but you paused. That was it. Yes. You said you paused. Um, and I think just pausing because it, as we all probably can notice, even listening to this, you probably have a plan for the day. Whoever's listening to this, you, and, and, and we don't pause, especially now, you know, with these things and these phones and um, it's like, okay, well, if I have a, if, if it is quiet, I need to busy my mind. Right. And it's, it's addiction and we're getting so lost in that. And I feel like that's why 
I'm doing this podcast. I feel like that's why there's people like you, why there's people like everyone that's coming out and trying and and seeing the world a little bit different. We're we're needing to reset. Because yes. if if because if we're not careful, that other path isn't good. So um we need to come back to is the word homeostasis? What's that word where you are one with everything? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like this you're whole and complete as you are. And this idea, I, I remember being terrified going into this silent meditation. Like, will I like the person that I find there? Because right. I did, I felt so lost. And it's like this fear of what am I going to uncover? Ooh, what, a, and, you know, is this deep, dark stuff going to, to come up? And what I know to be true is that whatever comes up into our conscious mind, we're now ready to, to deal with it because so often it comes from childhood traumas or times when we weren't able to deal with it or, you know, didn't have the, the power, the strength, but when these, like you say, the, these things that we maybe don't want to hear when they come up, those are so like, I, I really see our emotions as messages from our soul. And so when we're, we're in this place of kind of the protective personality living in our heads, our head's going to tell us, don't meditate. Don't you meditate? Cause you're going to find something there that you don't, you don't like. And, and really it's when we tap into our heart and soul that that's when we become, it's like an alignment thing. Right. more so than because it's we are complete we're born complete and whole but we're sort of when we're living in our head and not sort of living as a, a whole human being um and again i'm speaking from my own personal experience as well as i didn't feel i didn't want to go there to those feelings because it, they felt overwhelming they felt like oh I, I can't handle them they'll be too painful Right. And what's even more painful is that when we don't experience them, emotions are meant to sort of flow through us. And, and physiologically, our, um, those neurotransmitters and all of that is, that is released with that, emo or with that emotion kind of goes through our system and then dissipates in about 90 seconds. So if we allow that just free flow of the emotion, then it will be over in about 90 seconds. What will happen is we get in our head and we play the loop over and over and over, and then it continues on. But you can't physically, your body will not physically let you like cry for 24 hours kind of thing. It, it right. will eventually kind of just wear yourself out. So a big part of when I start working with people is we, we do releasing sort of, you know, what do you need to release? And we don't necessarily dive like really into the, the deep stuff right away, because a lot of it is we have to teach, I have to teach people sort of, it's like the phases of, there's kind of these phases of um, nervous system regulation. Most of us are stressed and experience stress and, and anxiety in this world because we have a nervous system that is completely dysregulated. It's, and it's from past traumas and 
we need to teach our body how to feel safe before it can expand into that success. And that's what's happened for many of us um, is that we're in our head and we're, you know, we're going and we're achieving and we're get, and we get to that place, but inside we don't, we don't feel it. Right. And so when we can uh, get to giving our body that message or he, that healing message that you're safe, then it can it go on to the sort of the next level or to do whatever you need to do. But but it's about embodiment. And that's where, you know, I started with the story of, you know, basically them telling me it's all in your head. And uh so sort of disconnect from your body. And that's not true. I the body is like your subconscious mind. Like it it holds all of those that cellular memory. It holds those those um, emotions. And so unless we allow them and we keep pushing them down and don't ever feel them, then it starts to build into this. Then you start to have anxiety for you don't you don't even remember what okay why where's this coming from. Mm-hmm. And, and then also physical, physical illness. I have the the real, I'm a big believer in the whole mind body connection. And from that experience where I learned, okay, it is about, I need to get back into my body. So embodiment is really the new sort of, I, I was reading something uh, where we talk about, oh, it's all about mindset and mindfulness and yes, mindfulness but it's mindfulness paying attention to what's going on in the body. So it's right. using your mind to pay attention to the sensations and the, the Vipassana meditation is that what it's really all about is you basically sit in silence for 10 days, um, noticing the sensations in your body. And I had a, um, an experience there that I, it was day five or six, I think that, um, we could ask to go and speak to the teacher. So you could talk, but you had to go and speak to the teacher. And I went to her and I said, I don't think I'm getting this. I'm, I'm just not like, I, I was expecting, you know, this great big revelation. I don't know the heavens to open up and get this download of, you know, this is the direction you need to go. And I, I just don't think I'm getting it. And she said, <laughs> this happens all the time. You just need to relax and just let go let you know just just relax into it stop trying so hard mm-hmm. so okay all right i'll try that so i went into and we it was starting the the sit of strong determination where you can't open your eyes you cannot move to scratch an itch or anything like this so for 1 hour you're sitting perfectly still meditating we built up to this like this didn't wasn't the start of it And uh, I'm sitting there and I'm all calm. And all of a sudden it feels like somebody hit me in the side with a baseball bat. Like it it was like a physical, like I popped my eye open to see like. Did someone (laughs) hit me? me. Um, And there was nothing. And it was, it just jolted me. So then the, the pain intensified. And all of a sudden I had a blanket around me and all of a sudden I get this hot, like I'm like burning up. So I'm trying to like 
not move because I was very rule bound before that. It was like, well, these are the rules, Carla. You can't break the rules. You got to follow the rules. And so I'm in my head. I'm like, great. You've already failed because you've opened your eye, and now you're <laughs> now you're shimmying out of this blanket. And then it and then I realized, oh my god, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw up. So I and and I mean, this is all sort of over about a thirty second time where I I'm opening my eyes like is anybody else like not realizing what's going on here and I bolted out of the room I tripped over somebody's foot while I'm bolting out of the room and I go upstairs and I violently ill violence so much that I peed my pants and like it was just like it was intense and then the um and then the the manager came and and checked on me and you know is everything okay and it was like this total release and she had to help me up to my bed because I was just that weak and and then I got sick again and so when the the main instructor came in and found us the two of us were sitting on the bathroom upstairs in my in my bedroom laughing our heads off because she had just said to me she goes I know that this is kind of scary, but you really just released some deep shit. <laughs> and no, I didn't. I didn't. I just peed. <laughs> so they were laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but it was this release. I have no idea what that was. No idea. Okay. I want to jump in with released. that for, yeah, I want to jump in on that in a minute because, oh, okay. There's a few things I want to mention. Um, I'm a very visual person. So when people are talking, I remember I went for past life regressions and they loved me there because they said, you are like the best candidate we've ever had. Cause I was seeing myself as this Greek woman in a past life. Who knows if these were real, uh, past life regressions, but I was very much, I'm very visual, uh, when, when I get really lost in something. And when you were talking, I was visually seeing things. I also think that I'm a little bit, um, I don't want to go too woo woo, but I think I have a little bit of like a ability. Um, so I feel like something came to me there that I just going to speak to my listeners and everybody about. And it was that, um, when we're busy, when we're, when when we're living and busy, um, we're filling a jar up, we're filling a jar up full of, uh, confusion, chaos, um, and like a, I see static, I see mm. jumpy, busy, static, busy. And when we meditate, we're opening the jar and we're releasing what has been put into this jar. So I was seeing that with you. I was seeing the, when you're the intensity of, you had all this stuff, I'll say stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that was built up and you're, you're busy. I don't know if it's personal, an a personality type that gets really busy. Like I'm the same way in my mind. Um, and you finally allowed yourself to go into your pause, into your meditative moment. Um, and then started noticing the physical reactions in your body, 
and then a complete release. Um, as I was getting down, going down my spiritual journey, learning about near death experiences, people that had experiences, I learned a lot about something called, I'm sure you've heard of it, ayahuasca. People use these ayahuasca mm. retreats, they go off and do this if they're at that limit. Some people do it just for fun. I wouldn't do it for fun. <laughs> Some people need to do it, you know, they they find there's no other release, so they go out and do this. But you know, uh, and from what I've talked to people about they've had those type of releases where they go into this experience next thing you know everything that is everything that's in them's coming out uh it's certain not to get too uh visual but it the body has a way of releasing it the energy and i think in what you experienced as you released it uh, luckily not too much but it was enough that you were like wow that's a release and so again that visual of the constant daily the constant non-stop not stopping our minds and it builds and it's like a layering effect and it doesn't just go away we're layering that up and sometimes we're, we're even worrying and busy in our minds before we sleep and then we fall asleep and it's still still going we wake up the next day and you're back to it you're getting food ready for your kids you're back to getting on the road to go to work you don't take that moment and so i i find what you're saying resonates with me and i'm hopefully it resonates with other people that we need to find that stillness that calmness that pause whatever it is whatever your form of meditation is um Again, I think I have a little ignorance towards it and saying that just when I write, it does release. I think it does to a point, but I, I've, I keep putting this on me in all these different episodes. I say, I need to get my meditation practice down better because I look at all the questions I'm going to ask you. And we've been talking for close to an hour here. And I think to myself, a lot of these questions can be answered through meditation. I think to myself, you know, one of the questions was going to be, you know, how do we get stuck in our own way for wealth? You know, people want to get all this, they want to make money doing what they love. And yet somehow they get down this rabbit hole of not making any wealth. Well, what if, what if meditating helps with that? What if, because you're getting more in tune with the things that you love and, you know, something that comes up all the time when I talk to people about money or wealth is this idea of not feeling deserving. They don't deserve to get paid what, you know, I would suggest to them or, you know, and you think, well, I'm I'm caught up in that. But maybe if we meditated regularly, maybe if we were in a space of pause, I like that a lot, we would find ways for that to work. What are your yeah. feelings on that? I just wanted to, I know. We're 100%. Everything you've said. So I actually have, have just joined a manifesting intuition academy so that I could tap more into that intuition and get back into because I also stopped meditating I mean I, I my practice didn't sort of I did the the meditation retreat and then I was like oh yeah I'm good I'm you know I'm all fixed I'm good to go uh but it is a practice that we need to do and so I have not done the Vipassana format until recently when I went sort of in 2023 I kind of had a bit of a like what would you call it? Uh, I don't, not really relapse, but I really felt like I was kind of in this place of, um, I had a couple things happen in my business that didn't work out. And then I kind of spiraled down into this little bit of a pity party and kind of, I wasn't able to get back into that high vibe living kind of thing. And what I recognized was I wasn't taking my own advice and I wasn't doing my meditation practice and tuning in and really focusing on that. 
and part of that is the idea that um with it is really just about sort of focusing on getting quiet focusing on our thoughts what are what are going on and i think there's someone out there that gave people the idea that um meditation is that you have to stop thinking like you don't think you've got to stop thinking that's like it's like telling you that's what your brain is meant to do is think right. so it's like telling yourself okay um i'm gonna stop my heart beating right now okay that didn't work the same thing you cannot stop your your thoughts what and there's many forms of meditation but it's this getting quiet noticing your thoughts noticing your sensations in your body and that just even five, 10 minutes a day, noticing without judgment. And I think that's the, I mean, uh, so many people are worried about what people think of them. And I can honestly tell you that <laughs> I used to say that my husband was a, uh, a critic or, you know, judged me, hard judged me. And, uh, and I thought he's just an amateur compared to me. I am so much better at judging myself than anybody else could be. <laughs> I mean, that is the biggest message, I think, is that we are our own worst enemy in that we, we're criticizing or putting expectations on ourselves and beating ourselves up when in reality, we don't need to, but we, we feel like, oh, well, this person is judging me or they're worried about what other people think. And it's really ourselves that are, that are the issue like how we so it is getting to that place of gratitude for who we are and and recognizing just what are our thoughts and what are our feelings and that they're valid and feeling them allowing yourself to feel them have it you know i say sit with the sadness i still do that right. i still and i have to put it in my schedule in order to do that and it's like a clearing sort of clearing the energy is what I'm learning in this in intuition manifesting and intuition is about yes it's about meditation but not so much um in in a certain form but being mindful of what's happening in my body throughout the day and tapping into tapping into the seat of the soul um right. which is that that place of love and where my inner critic I just started to embrace her and it's like, oh, I'm not trying to push you away anymore. Like, that's the other thing. I think we try to like push mm -hmm. away the bad thoughts or push away the, the criticism. And really it's just, it's okay. It's yeah. you know, like making friends with your inner critic, I think is the, the biggest thing. And I, yeah, that, no, that's great. And I think that's why I said it. It's not just a one and done type thing. This is oh. a, a life change that, people should make. And I, and I, to talk to my musician friends out there really quickly, you know, I keep talking about how I say music is my meditation. I think to a point it is, you know, when I write songs, there are, because what you spoke about just now is you said, you know, your mind is going to keep thinking that that's what our brain does. Our brain. I, I shouldn't say mind because mind and brain are two different things, but your brain, the thoughts that go through our human body, that's, that's our thoughts that are continuously going through. I think they work with our spiritual self too i think there's a yeah. we're a lot more than what we think we are but my point is is 
those thoughts aren't going to go away. The, 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 the things coming through our mind are not going to go away. And so I think it's about bringing awareness to those because we're not bringing awareness to it in our day to day because it's on autopilot. We're mm -hmm. walking around and having negative thoughts or whatever it is. And we're not even aware that it's happening. So I think what meditation can do is bring our awareness to our thoughts, to observe them because we're maybe not even listening. And if, and then if we hear the right things, we can ignore that. You don't have to sit on the things that don't uh, make you feel good, but embrace the things that do, because that's what, that's what happens when I'm writing. Um, some of them are, some, some people might think that, you know, when you're talking about emotion or, you know, when you're singing about emotion or it could be feel negative, but that's the, that's the release. So as a musician, mm -hmm. I'm releasing those feelings through the words and then people listening to the songs, they're embracing the words because my words are allowing them to feel the feelings yeah. they're not allowing themselves to feel. Not to get too complicated, but that's essentially what I think uh, writing music has been for me. So I think, I think though that it is good to adapt a, you know, five to 10 minute uh, daily meditation just to hear yourself, um, to be aware of your thoughts. So I love that. I really like that. Um, with, with just with the work that you do, where can people find you? Like, what is, what is the easiest way to find you? Uh, as... On, on social media, you can, I've got, uh, it's what's my handle laugh with Carla. Oh, I love it. Laugh with Carla.com will take you to my website website. And that's Carla with a C laugh with Carla.com. And yes. that's, that's also the social media handles social media is laugh with carla yeah and that's... My, my uh 20 ish 20 i don't know 23 22 year old said mom i don't, I don't know that you should probably change that but i mean it really where i sort of um i was asked to to do a stand up for mental health and talk about um my which is how i sort of became this humorist and kind of started to look into fun and play and laughter as kind of a solution or a healing property is uh, when I did stand up for mental health and did this, well, stand up a five minute that turned into 15 minute because I ended up drinking like a whole bottle of red wine, oh, nice. stage, which was, you know, oh, um, but, but that was, I remember uh, after that, Jack Canfield had seen the, the, uh, the clip and he said to me that's that's your gift that's where you need to really really go with this is the human like just that ability to make people laugh and um and I recognized that it's not about making other people laugh so much as it's about all of us releasing and having that when we're laughing we're enjoying life and we're sort of having that that release that we need uh yeah. and uh, and creating music like thank you for the work that you do in the world because that is really about um our creative expression helps other people music also heals right well, thank you. you know and you said the word enjoy enjoy you know i'm hearing all these acronyms or these things people say now joy yeah. laugh with carla is a joyous name. So I understand why you keep it because I, 
I really do, you, you know, and I didn't touch on it much in our talk, but the idea that we don't have joy at times, you know, if you don't have joy, that's a, a recipe for disaster because I think it leads us to a place of wondering what our existence is. Um, mm -hmm. Cause if we're not enjoying life or in joy, then, um, then what are we doing? And I, and I believe that it, you're, that's, I love that. You know, I think that I can speak to that. I know that that's something that I need. I think everybody needs that. So, uh, and, um, and that can be anything, right? Joy can be yeah. just the little things. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, you're, watch a, watch a pet playing or a, you know, or children being around children. Um, now uh, I'm, I'm going to say I was not very joyful. I didn't enjoy <laughs> the <laughs> moments, um, but that was so much because of, again, where I was at, I was just, you know, I would, I was in a not great mental and emotional space when I was doing that, unfortunately for my children. However, um, it is this, I mean, that's some of the work that I do. We, with women, I, I have a retreat and we create a joy list because we're not tapped into what brings us joy. When was the last time I had fun? Um, I, I just recently shared, or I don't know how long ago, but it's the, that six-year-olds laugh like, I don't know, 400 times a day or something. And adults laugh very few times. Mm. And it's this idea of be a six, be six again, like give ourselves. And I, that's my new podcast is called permission to play, which I'd love to invite you on. Um, oh. Permission to play is giving ourselves permission to feel the joy, have the laughter and to play. I love that permission to play. That's the podcast. Yes. Yeah. It's funny. I used to use the same idea that what happened to recess? <laughs> Why don't we get recess anymore as adults? You know, recess was that fun moment. The bell would go and you'd be like, okay, put the books down. Let's go play permission to play. You know, we need recess again and it's okay to give yourself a recess. You know, it's like, it's Absolutely. okay. Like what yeah. happened? You know, we, we, we take things life too serious. Yeah. Um, the last question I always ask everybody as, as the podcast ends is, and it's pretty simple. It can be whatever comes to your heart. And it's the, it's the question of, if you think deeply about yourself, about everybody around you, your life, humans in general, why are we here? I think it's to be an expression of, of our soul contract, of our just the person that we're meant to be, to step into, expand into uh, the magnificent being that we are. I love that. That's perfect. That's perfect. That speaks to so many things and we could do an entire new episode on, <laughs> on just that, <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on, Carla. It's been a really good conversation. I think it'll oh, allow people I've to get a loved, lot out of it. I've loved having this chat with you. Yeah, it was really nice. And I do want to say thank you to everybody that tunes into soul inspired please make sure you share and like these episodes because they may be the best thing that could happen to somebody. So thank you so much. And I'll see you next time.